Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number, what is the number today? 648. My name is Eric Nelson. With me today, I have my regular co-host. What is my regular co-host's name here? Oh, gosh. Matt Logoth. Matt's with us again two weeks in a row. Fantastic. Today's Wednesday, June 7th, 2022. Matt, how's it going? Eric, I'm well. Thank you for remembering my name. And in all things weather and just current events in central Pennsylvania, the smoke from the eastern Canadian wildfires has now entered the area. It is actually rather significant. Um, you can see a more than what I would even just say haze uh, in the air. It's almost a little bit uh, choky and watery to the eye. Uh, as you step outside, but that's just current weather conditions. We are joined today by uh, my fellow EU and C enthusiast, Mr. John Taus, to talk about his most recent blog article that's been put out there with a compar comparison between some Microsoft tooling and what we have within the UEM tool set. But before we get to all of that and introduction with John, my favorite question, sir, how are you? How are things out in, on the West Coast? And what is the color of the bay? I'm doing fantastic. And if you look at my hat I have on today, you notice the logo says Big Admin. So I, I pulled out the old Big Admin site uh, hat from my son Microsystems days back in 1998, I think is when that thing went live. So uh, I found that in that old hat drawer today. It is a beautiful day in California. You know, kind of cool. I, I'm going to bite. What, what's Big Admin? Big Admin was uh, the administration portal that we set up once BBSs and dial modems started going out of fashion and the internet showed up at Sun Microsystems, we decided to create a share site before community sharing was really mainstream on the internet. And we were the second largest site at Sun by traffic volume, only Java beat us. So Java with java.sun.com was bigger. And then we were second and we were just an administration portal and everybody was like, oh my gosh, you're using this internet to actually upload and download. It was a kind of a fun place and it got me into community originally. So I was in engineering and uh, created this site for the fun of it. Before that, I ran BBSs uh, using modems and decided I would do this and it became big and I decided I liked the community business. It was fun. So here we are. And I found my old big admin hat. If you go to bigadmin.com right now, it redirects you into Oracle as a, you know, as a URL Amazing. because it's, they keep the, they keep the DNS registered. I keep watching for it. And if it pops up, I might I might pick it up one of these days. Beautiful, cool weather here in the Bay Area. It's been kind of cloudy. We actually had rain yesterday, so we've got a muddy, murky bay going on. But, uh, you know, with that, uh, what can you say? It's not too hot, so I'm enjoying it. Corey Romero, what's, uh, what's new out there in Utah and anything to talk about around the VExpert program? 
Yeah. Hey, Roddy, I've got a few updates for the expert. Um, things in Utah, things are great. Weather is beautiful, um, nice and warm and sunny. Uh, had a little bit of rain here and there, and uh, it's been great. Um, the expert updates, I've got a couple of them here. I've got an email going out later today um, that is going to cover a lot of this, um, so keep an eye on that. Um, so applications are open. So I announced that last week, but uh, we're going to announce that again. Applications are open for the second half period. Um, if you're uh, if you're new to the program, if you're just now hearing about the expert, you want to learn about it more. Um, if you've even tried to, to apply for the expert and uh, haven't made it yet, um, you can go on the V expert site. We've redesigned the whole front page, and there's a whole tutorial guide uh, that takes you through the application process. Uh, what to include in the application, what to keep out of the application, um, what our voting process looks for, looks like, well, what do we look for when we vote, and then, um, and then, uh, yeah, it, it just covers general general questions and information about the whole program and the process. Um, and then on top of that, we have a call for blogs for VMware Explore happening. Uh, details of that will go out in that same email, and then we just wrapped up our second. Um, uh, webinar with Intel on the Intel PMEM uh, memory um, that program that we're doing, not program, but offering that we're doing with Intel. Um, that recording will also go out in the same email uh, just here in the next two hours. Corey, for whatever it's worth, you guys have been killing it this year with special access between what we had out there with the, the Octane drives yeah. and this latest PMEM. You know, I think that that's, that's really, not that the program wasn't there before, but talk about stepping it up for some great, I mean, very high-end hardware that even in certain enterprise cases that individuals may not have had access to. So yet another great advantage of taking that, that time out to submit those applications, become part of the V-Expert community, to get into and have access to these, you know, exclusive webinars and briefing and access to certain kit that otherwise you may not have absolutely yeah it, it's it's been a great year i'm really really busy um and i enjoy being busy that, that just means that uh, we're providing more value to the experts uh which is which is great um so yeah busy 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 and uh, we'll continue to stay busy nice 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 to know. Thanks for the update, Corey. As yeah, always, uh, Explorers coming up. Guess what, Matt? Content calendar went live. I think uh, today or yesterday, one of the two. But it's it's out. Okay. It, the content calendar is live, as I understand it, or the, the catalog rather oh, that, is live. But then right. the scheduler opens up next week. Correct. That's right. Sometime, yeah, right. another week or so. But the catalog is. I, I stand so corrected. I call it calendar. Sessions, what, what topics do you want to go into? Hey, if we're talking about, you know, mobile and modern device management that's in there that we, you could search for, for that particular topic. If you're over on the horizon side, if you're more on you know modern apps, those sessions can then be broken down by catalog or by category. And then you can start to get an idea of, okay, once session builder now is live, which again, as we've just talked about, will be next week. That you, then you can start doing that that placement and trying to build out your schedule and what your week might look like. Yep. Going to be here sooner than later. I, again, the third week of August, we're out in Vegas this year at the Venetian. Yeah, absolutely excited about that. Uh, I know that uh, we have maybe 40 sessions, community sessions in for 
V Brown Bag VMTN sessions in that theater. I know we have 20 plus VMware code sessions that are that are already in the system as well. And then just so everybody knows, uh, we will be adding more uh, over the coming weeks. So this was the first major release of the bulk of the sessions, but there will be the late stragglers that come in from Alistair on the brown bag, as well as some extra code sessions. And I think we're putting the code labs in on the 6th, uh, which is what is now, it's already past 6th, it's yesterday. So the code labs are going in and then we will get to republish those as well. So a lot of great content up there. Uh, go check that out. Um, and Any uh, insider baseball on what the code labs might be this particular go around yeah yeah we have uh we have guys working on the lab um it's going to be writing gpt chat uh apps that use the gpt chat public open source interfaces so if you would like to write a gpt chat app that does powershell scripting for data center automation you should learn how to do that in these labs so the labs are some AI ML kind of G chat GPT API consumption fun stuff you know on a, a, an hour and a half lab uh, so you'll you'll get to write that it'll be on the Windows machines so we will have the nooks back again with the screens uh, no sensors this year more AI ML kind of uh, coding with chat GPT APIs the chat GPT API set is. Uh, the chat GPT is based on GPT and GPT has an open source API implementation. You can go set up your own GPT server and then you can write your own, your own uh, APIs if you want to, to that server. We're just going to be showing you how the chat GPT APIs work, but we'll take you through a little bit of, if you wanted to set your own GPT open source implementation up, you could also do that uh, and have your own AI engine. So cool stuff. Should be fun. Looking forward to that one. Labs. I think that's it for what's happening. Go register. Uh, I know that uh, we will be either in the Venetian or Corey. Do you remember what the other hotel was? Treasure Island or somewhere? I don't off the top of my head. No. Yeah, I think it. Think it's Treasure. I think it's Treasure Island, and it? all on the same side down down there on the strip. So excited to be in places. I always you know recommend the Excalibur if you want something for under thirty dollars to thirty five dollars a night, so you can get there cheap. Um, let's see. I think that's about it for what's happening. Go look at. Uh, what's published in the content catalog now. With that, let's talk to John Towles. John, welcome to the show. We always do a five-minute introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you work? What do you work on? And what's your career arc? How did you get here today? Just so community podcast people get to know who you are. Sure. Um, obviously not my first time here. Um, John Towles, uh, proprietor mobile-john.com. Uh, of large workspace one quote unquote repository um, blog space. I'm a V expert, V expert pro, Microsoft MVP. Uh, been doing mobility UEM stuff for 10 plus years. Um, we'll also be speaking at, at Explore this year somehow, um, <clears throat> despite the, the change in, let's, let's just say, sessions in, in years past. Um, Known for a number of variety of topics on Workspace One, Windows 365, and things like that. Um, 
I think that probably about covers kind of kind of me in a nutshell. Right. So. Good. Good. Well, welcome back. Uh, say the last name again. Tolls. Right? Tolls. Tolls. Okay. There you yeah, go. I, I've been getting that for my whole life, so I'm kind of used to it. And if you want to go to his website, it's mobile-jon. He spells John J-O-N. So go yep. check out his website, give him a follow, that kind of stuff. So Matt, I'll let you go because I know you love EUC and all things desktop. So I think this will be a love fest between you and John. So why don't you take it away? Well, let's set the stage, right? So the reason that we brought John on was from a blog article, actually a series of blog articles. Uh, this one, though, particularly about Endpoint Merit Manager versus UEM, which was in the context of where the two platforms were in 2022. You had originally published this out the year prior, then you did an update, John, as far as August uh, of last year. And that has gained some traction, right? As we circulate this through um, the VMware system and we flag this and, and then promote that on our, our social channels, we track that and we can see that that's still quite popular. Yeah. So let's I, ironic, just... Ironically, they refused to publish one of the articles on advocacy though because I, I was not as kind as they wanted me to be in one in uh, in my in part two. Well, let's just <laughs> let's start at the beginning then, if you will. So sure. there where were we at walking in between the, these two platforms in August? Right. Let's set a baseline of, of last year. And there's been quite a bit of changes on both sides. Uh, and all of the individual iterations that you go into between enrollment and admin and capabilities and reporting and whatnot. So let's set that baseline and then let's bring it up to speed a little bit as far as where we're currently at with the state of the two platforms, given that we're, you know, almost running up against a, a full, let's say, life cycle revision of the two platforms coming in here uh, in the beginning of June of the following year. Yeah, of course. And keep in mind, I think I've, I think I've, I want to say, and I was trying to pull it up. I, I want to say, probably goes back to like 2020. I've been doing this, or 2021, somewhere in there. Um, right, the whole series. So, yeah. So it's something that you know, is you know, people would always challenge me on it. And so you know, so excuse me, um, and a bit of a cold. So, so historically speaking, right? So the thing that I'm thing that, that my session at Explore this year is on neurodiversity in the workplace. So me and a gentleman with dyslexia that works at VMware are going to be talking about neurodiversity. And so on that point, with ADHD, the best way I the best way I learn is, you know, one by doing and two by writing. And so that's a big part of the reason why there's as much content in my blog as there is, is, is that's kind of helped me learn. And so through the process with Workspace One and Intune, uh, I've spent a lot of time kind of looking at stuff, writing, building like spreadsheets of all the different configurations and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and that kind of led to the development of you know, the content that's around kind of, you know, looking at the two platforms. And I mean, and it's not even arguably, uh, inarguably, no person has built a career more or become more let's call it notorious what workspace one than me. Um, it's what I'm known for. And so, 
it's tough. It's been a, it's been a tough, I think really since COVID, it's been a really a, a tough go of it really for both. I think for both platforms because they, you know, because COVID impacted both differently. I mean, most many people may or may not know a lot of the engineering resources for workspace one are in India and they got hit really hard by COVID that really slowed down the R and D cycles for workspace one. And then, you know, Gartner's, which I always use with quotes because I don't really believe, I, I really, I'm one of the people who believes Gartner's is bought, but, you know, people can, you know, argue with that, that sentiment that, you know, last year, I believe Gartner's and their magic quadrant now has a gap about this big between Intune and everybody else, which is absolutely asinine because I don't care if they're curing cancer, a platform is not 40% better than the rest of the market. And like, and something that I've been a little critical of is, you know, there are certain platforms that they've talked about for now three years at, um, at Explore and VMworld that never really, still aren't fully baked. And when I say that, I mean Freestyle Orchestrator. And the reason why I talk about this is goddamn Gartners keeps saying Microsoft executes their UEM strategy better than everybody else, which is asinine. They execute their Windows strategy better than everybody else, fine, because you know they have the secret sauce. But if you look at the platforms, that's not the case. But this gap is literally the largest gap I've ever seen in a Magic Quadrant. I don't know if you've actually looked. You should pull it up if you haven't seen it. It's like literally like half half a quadrant in length. It's unbelievable. It's like okay, yeah. I if if this was Windows, I, I'm with you. I get it. Right. You know, if we're, have, we're just looking at this as the right when we think of mdm as i had said at the beginning we think of that as both of mobile and modern device right, right? all platforms so if gartner is just taking that on windows 10 capability alone yeah, okay which sure we can have some of that of, of that discussion yeah, I mean, you I'm can argue that saying that, it's valued but you let's can't just do anything about that right you can't right? control the entire platform yeah. You can't control that they own the ecosystem and that they can do things that nobody else is gonna be able to do because they have to wait IT works, right? APIs. If you don't open the goddamn APIs, no one can do anything with it. And so, yeah, they have always had that control, right? Your app protection policies, all that stuff. And so I totally get at this quadrant with this gap, it's like literally the size of the Grand Canyon, you know, we'll go with this in Vegas. You know, I get if that is the argument, but they're arguing for all UEM, which is kind of ridiculous. And the the thing the the one thing that they really have to fall back on around execution is freestyle orchestrator which i've i have never seen a product in the like eight plus years i've been doing airwatch that has been talked about at three different co three conferences three years in a row and still isn't fully baked and the problem is and i was talking to somebody in engineering at vmware recently is so they're now so i got ron to get um I can't think of his name. He's one of the directors over the core UEM platform now. And now he's um he's on he so he's gonna be a V expert at EUC coming up. And um and so I thought it would be a really good thing to talk about the new workspace one architecture, right? Because I think the problem is is they did a really bad there was a really bad job done here because they did it, it was all after the fact. They're like the reason why if this stuff has been so slow is because we had to re-architect everything. But they should have got out in front of it and said, we have to re-architect everything. So some things might be delayed, which is the right way to do it. It's like, you know, it's like say, it's like the whole adage of, you know, I, you know, if I catch something, if my employee catches something, there's a problem. If my, if I catch a problem 
if my employee doesn't, then that's a problem. But if my employee knows about it and gets ahead of it and talks about it, then you know that's much better than the the inverse. And I think that that's for me, right? It's frustrating, right? Because this is that's really the one thing that that they can hang their hat on as an argument, is saying that VMware is not executing on their vision around Workspace One because of that cogent fact that like this uh, pre-sale orchestrator is kind of like their entire like thing right now. It's like it's the one, it's the potential one piece of potential they have to have a competitive advantage over Microsoft and UEM because it's the one thing that. What I mean, you could argue Deem too, but but like you can technically say Microsoft has a Deem, and you blah, 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 I've had those arguments already. But but Freestyle Orchestrator, you know where it has the, the amount of potential it has, it, it, they have an opportunity to actually have something that has a real competitive advantage, and they have. And obviously, Brian Walks has left, who is the you know the owner of that platform. But like, it's I think it's a challenging thing because. When it comes down to workspace one and into what I always tell people when you start, it really is more about the desktop compute platforms and simply Microsoft does Windows. It's not that Microsoft does Windows better and that Champ does Mac better. It's that because of some of their stuff they have access to, they can deliver it easier and faster with less talented resources than workspace one can. And that's how I, what I always tell clients is that you can do Windows and Mac on Workspace One as good as the platform, but you need to have a really good PowerShell guy, a really good Bash guy. Uh, if you don't have that, you're going to struggle. And that's the reality. As someone who has architected those platforms backwards and forwards, you really need someone who's really, really good at like an engineering level, which is not always the case because companies aren't always willing to invest that kind of money. And that's kind of, I think, that's the that's the real difference. I mean, because I mean, at the end of the day, right, the platforms, are they that substantially different? No. Then you also look at the fact that VMware also has an advantage because they're not running a whole ecosystem in one cloud like Microsoft is, and because of that, you deal with a lot of replication challenges too with, with Intune, um, which is what I call out as one of the biggest gaps in Windows 365 is that it's all basically relying on Intune. Thus, replication slowness is still a real thing. Well, a lot to unpack there, but. Yeah. Let's just uh, of your last comment. You know, Win three sixty five is certainly being looked at by organizations, uh, but to me, one of the limiting factors is that that Intune component, right? That is the management and only management platform that you are going to get as it currently is deployed with Win three sixty five. So you are all in on that as far as your particular management interface. Yeah. To your earlier point, however, is, it, is an overall MDM solution, right? If I'm a global enterprise and I have iOS, I have Android, I have Win 10 physical devices, I might have persistent virtual desktops that I want to roll in this solution as well. I have maybe some Mac deployments out there as far as Mac physical desktops. I would say that even though that there would be custom coding that, that might be involved to come up to those shortfalls that we run into that, that might require those PowerShell capabilities for Win 10 and Mac. We allow that as part of our ecosystem, right? We, we have that capability within the, the platform to expand and encompass all of those both mobile and modern devices that, that we need to manage within a single console. 
Yeah. Whereas if you try to do the same thing with Jamf or you try to do the same thing with Intune, I'm not quite sure if they would have that same experience and you might be ending up with multiple solutions to do to accomplish the same endpoint goal that you now have with a little extra, admittedly, that you have within Workspace ONE. You put that plus where hopefully we're going to get plus with Orchestrator. And to me, is even taking a step back as a VMware EUC employee, that I think that that would be a compelling argument to make for an enterprise. Yeah. What fascinates me most about Jamf is if they ever, I mean, they got bought by like an equity company like six years ago or so. It fascinates me that they, if I was them, I would mass hire and I would build out other platforms because I think that they would disrupt the entire space if they ever brought in the, just the Android. Forget Windows. If you just brought in Android, they would be so disruptive. And it's it's very frustrating for me just as a technologist that Jim doesn't get mentioned in the magic quadrant at all. Because like when you a lot of these like like education places that are like just iOS and Mac, it's such a solid pat platform. And not just that, as someone you know who has a lot of appreciation for a strong community, their community is so good. And Many people who, while they were designing and engineering Mac environments in non-Jamf, leverage Jamf Nation to figure stuff out because it's such a great, you know, uh, not dichotomy, but like just a great kind of back and forth there between that and the Mac admin Slack. And just, it's just a really great thing. It just, it fascinates me that they that they haven't tried to do it because if they did, I think that they would really, really, really disrupt the space because just based on like just the loyalty and like the fans that they have, it always, I think, kind of fascinates me. And anyway, back to your, I think the point that you were making, I think that, I think the challenge is that I think that we all have right now. And like I said, you know, I bank much of my career on VMware and their success. And I mean, that's, you know, it'd be very hard for me just that, you know, if workspace went away tomorrow, it'd be very challenging for me just from like a consulting perspective, like what I would do because, and that's why I've had the first fine last year, but like my, my concern, my concern, right, is that the building blocks with, within what's called AirWatch, the things that made AirWatch successful, they've kind of gotten away from the last three years. And one of those things is, um, is same day support. And I provide this actual feedback to engineering is that so you used on the day that an OS was released for Apple, you would not you would have the actual controls in the GUI. And now they're expecting people to deploy custom XML. And what I want, you know, as a, a fan and a lover of this platform is I want to see them get back to that, is get back to where they're successful. Because my concern is is perception. And and I've written about this in my article, is that I don't think that, you know, and this is pre-Intune Suite, I don't think either Microsoft or VMware has done much in the last two years, COVID-ish. Like, you know, and they have they had to? Not really. I mean, what they're already doing is already really strong. And, you, don't, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But I don't think there's been a ton of innovation or, like, trying to see what they can do to kind of, I think bring stuff forward. Intune Suite actually, I think helps VMware more than it helps Microsoft. To be honest with you, because now people are now people are mad. They're mad at Microsoft. Like I've heard a lot of it. 
They want sure. me, I, you have all these E5 customers that they're now telling they have to go spend another ten dollars per device to get blah blah blah. Like people are people are are not happy about that. Like Net actually, I think, and this is similar to when VMware put Assist out, and I was pretty critical with Puja, who's the PM for Assist, that like so Blomgar, you can buy licensing per technician, whereas Assist you have to license per device. And for me, right, the very first thing I do when I release a product is I look at my competitors and I look at, you know, meeting parity. And I think that, you know, Baumgar, who is really the best remote manager thing in the space, they're doing it this way. You have to kind of like incentivize and build value there. And when it's saying this is exact, this is, we're going to be absolutely more expensive than Baumgar, but you, you should get it in the platform. I don't think that, I think it's kind of just not having real, I think the awareness that you need, I think to be successful. And like I said, I, I always worry, like I said, with, like I said, I, I, I have, you know, I've got workspace, I've got a lot of, I've got a, a you know, number of workspace one clients. And I, I, like I said, most of my knowledge, my background comes from that area. And like I said, I think they're doing a, I think they're still, they're still doing well, but I think that, like I said, they need to get back to some of the foundation that made them successful. But they were like one of like two companies that had same day support for these no, new OSs. I mean, last three years, there's capabilities. You still have to go custom XML now, which I don't think is great. And I mean, these things I don't think are heavy lifts. I think it's just more about trying to reprioritize, I think, some of that stuff. Because I mean, it just, like I said, these are things that are, because like I said, I mean, I don't think, I think in, and I put, I think I wrote this in my article, this, in 2023, I think the gap is closer than ever between the two. Our, it, it's on, a, on both sides to a degree, right? So like they, they've they come, um, VMware has closed the gap in certain places. Microsoft has closed the gap in other places, but I just don't feel like the divide is that much there. And I think that there, it's harder now to justify the cost of workspace one. So I think that VMware one has to be aware of that and be willing to commit to getting to, to really showing that commitment to people. And I don't know if they're going to, I don't think they're doing it at explore, but I think it would have been really smart of them to have a session on the new architecture. Cause I think that, you know, you have to start, you have to absolutely a key component to all of this, right? You know, like so they're saying we, we were driving the, the, yeah, the they're saying down all the road so we could do this thing show them what you're show them what you're show them what you're doing now like if like i said if you're going to like a and not not only what why we had to do it but yeah. then what it enables right what was broke what we did to fix yeah. it and why we wanted to fix it and now how it positions us for the future yeah, I hate to say, but it looks like an excuse. Like that when that email that 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 thing came out in the UC blog, it kind of looks like an excuse. And and I don't think they wanted it to be that way. But they're like, oh, sorry, we didn't do much just because we've been working on it. It's like, you know, just be more transparent. I mean, customers get enough of the lack of transparency from Oracle and Microsoft. You know, we I think, you know, having more of a I think an open book policy and being a little more open with people. I think that it goes a long way. It's someone that's kind of my brand where I'm, I don't really, I'm very kind of to the point and just kind of an open book and there's not, you don't have to infer much from when you talk to me. I mean, I did, that's like a lot of like kind of who I am. And like I said, it just, it, it surprises me because I mean, so I don't know if you've looked at it yet. There are 23 accessions on Workspace One. 
this many. I looked that I looked it up. Me and Johan combined were one for eight on getting sessions. Uh, and, you know, he got a session on data science, which is I'm 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 super pumped for him. But like we're there's not a lot of there not there's not as much uh, anywhere workspace stuff this year as there has been in years past. I think there's a lot, a lot of shifts. I mean, obviously, I mean, not to not to kind of drag it into this, but like everyone saw the, the stuff on Twitter, right? William Lamb frustrated that, you know, that he didn't, that he for the first time, you know, struck out and stuff like that. I, that's why I'm so thankful and I want to plug VMware code in brown bag because I think that more people need to submit because a lot of people are really for really frustrated that they missed that they got rejected and so it's two ways you handle that right you either just you know complain on in, in spam twitter or you figure out let's find out let's find a back door let's find another way in uh, sasha and i have a session at at code um that had got rejected initially and i just think that that's important right is it you know instead of just you know taking the l and then being sad about it, let's figure out how we can go about it a different way. Because I, I think that it's, I think it's getting harder and harder for us in EUC. You had mentioned community before. I want to touch on a, a brief topic that you and I talked about at the master's retreat this year, which was the, we have this traditional EUC community that was the, let's call it Horizon and Citrix users. And then we have this whole entire modern and mobile component that is also very much into the fold and maybe even more present so than the rest of the side because let's face it frankly you don't run into a lot of customers outside of what we ran into the pandemic wanting to do brand new greenfield bdi stacks so why is it that you think that sometimes i don't even want to go as far as the word to say ostracized but it was just that we haven't welcomed these other admins and operators into the fold into this euc community and that they're still a little bit outside on, on the bounds and that there is the, the you know that the jamf operators that are out there and the uem admins that, that are there and the intune admins that are that are out there but they still don't incorporate into the to the you know the vdi and what we consider to be euc is it because of the nature of the technology you know those two different stacks and we don't see much you know cross admin activities and where it's you know we although we put it in one bucket it's two distinct practices or is it something more and what are your thoughts there so i my my belief is obviously is that you know vdi has been around a really long time right yeah, more about your watch about seven years ago, seven-ish years ago. And I think that part of it is, is, is a lot, I think it's, if you think about the kind of the genesis of it, right, is that, so as someone who's been in mobile since like 20, 2009, something like that, um, that a lot of companies early on would not hire mobile people. So it was usually a second job for like an exchange guy or an AD guy. That's, that's part of it, or just say a person that guy. But that's one part of it. Another part of it, I think, is that a lot of companies, and I saw this at Talbots, where what would happen is is that they would promote somebody from the help desk to kind of be like an admin for you know AirWatch workspace or whatever. And I think that there's just not a lot of respect for the role. And and this is not this is 
you know, whether they're technology people, whether it's, you know, execs, C-level, whatever, is that they've always just kind of thought of that as the person who activates their phone. And I think that that's a big part of it. I mean, and I think I told you, um, I haven't been to a VMUG meeting since I went to one in Boston and somebody told me that, that AirWatch was not an EUC technology. And I was done at that point. And this is one of the leaders of that VMUG. And for me, I, outside of the fact that that was remarkably offensive, it, and for me to be offended by something is pretty bad because I'm, I'm you know, I'm pretty abrasive, abrasive myself. Um, it's just that people just, they, I think they think of EUC more as compute than use, than user experience and user facing. And I just don't, I think that they, they still don't understand. And it's kind of like the SCCM guys, I think. And a lot of that old guard is that they just have never really been welcoming and understanding. And I found, and, and I've worked at some interesting in places like MIT. This is my task sequence and my task sequence only. And I, and I, I yeah, you're I, not wrong. Um, right. And, and I, I said this at, at the master's retreat, right? Is that people need to think more about the, the next generation of people and what they're going to be and, and kind of where they're going to come from. And I don't think that people are invested enough. I mean, there's one thing to say, like, you know, you're going you're gonna to run a community, a community with your own stuff. I don't think people are invested enough in the betterment of others, in IT especially. I think that part of the problem is, is that we've spent a lot of staff reduction and, and stuff, and people have always been more interested in kind of guarding their keys to the kingdom, and they haven't, like, and these are the same kind of people, right? Like the firewall guys that say, oh, I didn't change anything, or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. But what really what it, what it really comes down to is that they they just don't understand. I just don't think that they're willing to welcome those people in, and they're not thinking about what what am I going to leave behind. And that's something that's like very important to me as somebody who came from very humble beginnings as like a retail person and who had to really kind of claw and fight my way to where I am today. Is it just how important it is to help others? Like there came kind of most like you have two types of people: people who actually respect the desk. When I say desk, I mean help desk and actually try to help those people make their lives better. And the people that just like, kind of like scoff at the help desk, like they don't get that they're, they make their lives better and easier. And by having a good relationship and building a good rapport with them, you infinitely make life better for you. I just think there's two different types of people there. I think also at the, at the same time that, you know, it's surprising in a way because we're, it is, the the vdi guards of old right we're in a unique position where we're how do i say this in such a way that i've always thought of euc presents a, a the best opportunity within the enterprise it stack to see all facets of the process right in other words you're more inter likely to interact with the end user because you have to deal with the desktop, the application, the network stack, and whatnot. And over on the mobile side, you see that as well. So in, that is to, a long-winded way yeah. of saying, can't we feel each other's pain and joy and frustration in knowing that this is about delivering applications and security, regardless if it's a desktop or a mobile or tablet endpoint or what we're i want to get to in a little bit of what we're 
uh, maybe even looking at what's VR coming here soon, which I think after yesterday's announcement is going to explode. If people are willing to spend $3,500, yeah, I would agree. They will. It makes me think of Mac Studio, like how expensive Mac Studio is. I'm sure Coppinger, I'm sure Coppinger is very excited to get to get started on that, though. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I've had a HaloLens since 2000-whatever, 2018, something like that. $3,600 for a, a pro device. And, you know, and I use it. It was a cute gimmick. Got heavy on my head. I'd rather have my, you know, 40-inch Dell dual monitor plane of glass in front of me. So it's a cute gimmick. I don't know if it'll actually uh, take off or not. But I would say that notice it's Vision Pro. The ne next thing coming out is going to be Vision. And Vision is going to be the glasses, right? They're just, you know, super lightweight. And those are right. probably going to be targeted for 600 versus 3,600. And so I think what they did is they intentionally released the Pro, announced it, because I think they said it's not available till next year sometime, right? Like, so what did they do? They did this announcement to lock and freeze the market so that uh, they can stop Zuckerberg and uh, Oculus and those guys gaining more share while they're still trying to catch up with their world. I don't think the pro will be interesting. I think the vision will be interesting. So anyway, that's well, my two cents yeah. there. What I'll say is somebody who has an Oculus is that the entire thing is going to be about apps. Yeah. And one of the things that is really, I think, held back the Oculus, for example, is like those like the zoom integration that they talk, they talked about it forever i don't know if it ever actually happened um but like it you need actual apps right it has it has to work directly in zoom teams blah 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 i think that that's like that's the number one area for potential right is that if you have if they have if apple gets all of the you know all the av platforms on board and gets apps in there i think that that's where it can really explode especially in the remote work and hybrid and all that i think that that's really where there's a ton of potential but like i said it, the apps like apps and oculus were just an aberration no it's nothing nothing great about it i mean like some of the like i liked i figured i think it was called the workspaces or something like that um i i used that and i liked it but my issue was right it had to you need if it if that integrates into your meeting into your meeting experience then i think it's i think it's foundational but that's it, you're only getting half of the way there with the equipment you need you need third party you need third party buy-in too. I think. I personally think Speaking that of third you, party buy-in. If you just finish, I'll finish this. If they had a projector that didn't require me to have a headset, and this could float out in my room, and I just sat here, and it became the modern day display. Hey, I'm all in. That looks great. Me putting so on a headset. Yeah. This is a Millennium Falcon R2D2 situation, which I'm I'm all about. I'm here right. for that. Right. Exactly. When they get that, this is gonna all take off. Headset good for about 46 minutes and last time i checked i'm spending about 10 hours a day in front of my big displays and uh, it's not going to happen it's yeah happen. It, it drove me it drove me absolutely crazy that's why i loved um i don't know if you guys saw that announcement from a few months ago and not not talking about a microsoft product but i i bought the i bought an lg c3 for my beach house and then the new 2023 lgs you can now run windows 365 natively right on the tv itself yeah and yep. it was the best of, of all of those types of experiences it's the right. best one i've seen because literally it's like so on the new lgs is literally like a, a work from home in the main menu you click that and literally you auth in and then you have a bluetooth keyboard you don't have to pair it or anything it just works yep and yep. like a lot of those things i've seen like they had like the 
like they have that, that Samsung Dex phone, which I thought was terrible. I mean, that's like the stuff I think that where a lot of us are clamoring for is like actual like organic experiences that aren't like an IT guy, basically the IT guy and you having to go through 15 hoops to get to where you want to be. But like right. building those actual organic experiences right inside of the stuff that you have is like, like that's the next level I think of EUC, right? Like when I think of EUC, the number one most impactful thing I think of in 2023 right now is Dean. And I keep saying it. And now, now Gartner's is copying me because I was saying it last year. Where Gartner's is like, oh, this next thing thing is a good idea. It's like, like it's set. Deem is so big right now. Like, pro proactive support, proactive troubleshooting, being able to get ahead of stuff, opening tickets for people even though they have problems. Like that is huge. Like I think that that's like right now is like mo is the most important thing in I in EUC. I think this other stuff is the two is the two or three year roadmap down the line is if they can start yeah. building and cultivating organic experiences into our everyday lives that's really where i think the remote work and hybrid work stuff really takes off matt i cut you off so if you have if you had something you wanted to talk about i was just saying with john's experience on multiple mdm management platforms we have XR Hub out there, which I will say this is just a personal opinion I would think would fit in with perhaps once Vision Pro gets released as a possible enrollment platform and we could integrate that with an app. Again, I'm just making that assumption. I have no idea if that's where we're actually you headed. Me and Johan's session a couple of years ago, at, uh, it, uh, I think it was 2020 um, VMworld. Yes. We had a whole session where, so he did, he, he did the XR Hub stuff and the whole thing, like the onboarding rate to the resistance thing that was like all about the workspace one onboarding and then it, it, tied, it tied over to the XR Hub stuff. So knowing that, right, where we have that capability within the platform to begin with, who else has that right now? Who else can, can manage VR devices? Who else is a competitor within that space? If I had a, a partner... I think the real question for VR yeah. devices, what would it look like? I think the real question is, is how many companies are actually dipping their toe? Not like, like how many people are doing it. Like, like I, I think IOT, let's just call it IOT, IOT in general. Like, I mean, I wonder how many people are actually using devices in that way. I mean, the biggest IOT thing I know of is, are the Coke freestyle machines. I mean, they, they feature that a lot at, at, at airwatch and work airwatch conferences you know being that you know cokes in atlanta uh but I, I think that that's the thing i'm always very interested in is i think is the iot stuff in general like whether it's sensors or or what have you i mean because i had to i had played around with the idea of you know an employee perk for companies that are say companies that are fully remote right having an employee perk and i think the oculus is really the only thing to eric's point earlier you need something in that four to six hundred dollar price point for it really to be like an employee perk thing like you're given like people like um weight watchers stuff and uh, gym reimbursements i think that that's really where this whole thing takes off is getting the right price point and something that the clients or, or clients customers companies enterprises can actually say we want to provide this as like a, a quality of life thing that we want to give to all of our employees i think the hard part is when it's thirty five hundred dollars that's not really scalable, especially in our current landscape. I think that that's the biggest challenge. But I agree. I apps. I really like a lot of stuff that Matt has done 
with um, with the whole VR stuff. Because like I said, it's, it's relatively easy from an organic standpoint, like enrollment and all that kind of stuff. I think it's actually pretty good. And a lot of us have messed around with stuff like this, right? Like like somebody recently, someone from VMware showed up uh, enrolling as Tesla in Workspace ONE. I can tell you that I tried, I, I, I spent a couple of days trying to get a Yealink. I'm a Yealink phone that I use for Zoom. Like a Zoom phone, like a hard phone. I tried getting that rolled in Workspace One, and it did not go as well as I wanted it to because um, because of the Yaling phones, like they don't have all the Google services on them and stuff like that. And I don't know if you've ever played any stuff like that, Matt. Like trying to like put Workspace One on or on something that they shouldn't have. But it's a really interesting thing as you start learning about like how different devices, like let's just say non endpoints, like non endpoint endpoints, and like trying to see like you know how can you how can you kind of come up with ideas or, or build things or, you know, I think cultivate some sort of uh, yep. sort so, of like quality of life in here. So John, I got to twitch gears because we're going to run out of time. We only got like six minutes left here. So sure. I do, I'd like to spend a little time first, just to call out your session. We published in the chat, but uh, you can go to content calendar catalog and search for John towels tolls. T O W L E S to check out your session. I don't know if you have a session ID There's there. Two sessions. Yeah, I can. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll put it in the chat. Um, right. The uh, so the session ID is VIB two eight seven six LV, and I'm gonna put in the comments. I'm gonna try to, or can I? I, I think you I can put it in that. private chat, and I can share it because okay, I'm I will. I will do that because I just um I just pulled it up because yeah, that's a I think the contact catalog and you search for John's name, both of his sessions were both the Workspace One Access API and just as important, his panel that's going to be out there on neurodiversity are, are both um, simple search results that come back. I think it's a really good point. I think it's a very interesting thing because those of you who aren't aware, just real quick for a sec, um, I released a number of articles about ADHD and dealing with it and how hard it is and that basically with ADHD or, you know, it's another, it's a, it basically dealing with the same thing that a lot of protected classes are dealing with, but people with ADHD are getting, are getting that as well. Um, and they said, I, I, I also was on the, I was also on the nerd journey podcast talking about it. And so I've got a lot of feedback and a lot of, you know, great response from people. And I think that this session is a really good opportunity to kind of talk, talk more about that and how we can help people who are neurodiverse. Other other shout out as we come up to the top of the hour, um, go to his website. You can just Google Mobile John, Mobile M O B I L E John J O N. Go there. You got a really nice website. Uh, lots of good content, both for uh, VMware, but also you know what's happening in the desktop space. Right, you have a lot of uh, categories here to search on, and yeah, it looks like there's like hundreds of great articles there. So go check that out and. Uh, you know, enjoy the content, great content, a really pretty site. So a really nice article. So go check that out. And then John, because we live stream on youtube.com slash V barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E. We always end up at the top of the hour uh, asking, you know, where do you live? What region of the country or world do you come from? And do you ever get to have any barbecue or cook, do any kind of barbecuing, barbecuing yourself? Oh, I do all the barbecues. So I'm in I'm in Boston, but I lived in I lived in uh, Plano, Texas for three years, and I worked at BlackBerry. I have a I have one of the best 
uh, barbecues that money can buy. I have a Heston. I plus I also have a Weber smoker. And so yes, I I do an extensive amount of barbecue. I'm not quite as talented as people like Naran and stuff are. Some of the other people on, at VMware, but I do some sous vide and I do a lot of smoking and and barbecuing because I have a my wife is celiac. Um, has a, has auto has an autoimmune disorder, and so we don't really go out to eat a lot. So we cook. We have a lot of scratch kitchen cooking here at the house. Very cool. What's your go to uh, recipe, or what do you like to go to when you? I think my favorite thing I I did I did in the last year is I did a sous vide picana um, that I really really enjoyed. I'd never done a sous vide before, before and I did a I did a sous vide picana, and it came out. It came out really quite well. I, I'm a I'm a big Snake River Farms guy. I buy all my meat from Snake River Farms because we we enjoy our wagyu. Very nice, very nice. Tony Foster, I know you're floating out there with regard to barbecue. Come come from Kansas City. Don't know if you got anything interesting to share today. Oh, I I didn't actually get any barbecue in this week, um, though. Buddy of mine uh, retired from the Air Force and one of his friends did the barbecue for his retirement party and we had absolutely phenomenal fall off the bone ribs and brisket oh it was absolutely wonderful and and matt uh, i'll flip back to you um anything uh, coming into the summertime it's june uh what are you thinking I, of putting on the gas grill well, you know, I'm not going to even touch on the gas grill because, you know, that's just a fire that's just constantly works. But <laughs> I do have to say I had a very unusual barbecue experience. And in all places, Toronto. So in downtown Toronto, there is a 70s disco that's about four blocks away from the, the Toronto City Hall. It is a... Uh, facility that is named carbon bar and they feature st louis style barbecue ribs brisket they do a burnt ends with a kimchi side and the, with a big lettuce leaf and whatnot they do all of their own barbecue sauces uh, both traditional like a sweet and, and mustard based sauce and i dare i say this and i, I don't mean to a friend of my fr friends down in memphis or even over in st louis but absolutely spectacular barbecue and ribs from both the brisket and the, the, the rib side. Um, just out of this world good. Carbon Bar in downtown Toronto. All right. If you're uh, up there, go into the CNN Tower, you know, you might want to go go check out that in Toronto. Super cool. Uh, I know that we're going to be on next week, so thanks for everybody joining. Go uh, check out uh, uh, the content catalog. Uh, it is live. Go check out, see what you want to do. Look for some cheap ways to get to Vegas. Book your hotel if you need to. It's going to come up quick. Matt, John, thanks for being here uh, every Wednesday, 12 to 1. Tony Foster, Graham, thanks for being on TalkShoe, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.